everyone. Welcome to episode 33 of the Fox 12 Weather Podcast. I'm meteorologist Jeff Orgeron, joined by our chief meteorologist, Mark Nelson. Hey, Mark. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. I see sunshine again out the window. It's that time of year. It's the last day of March. Can you believe it? April Fool's Day is right around the corner. Are you going to do anything big for tomorrow? April Fool's Day. Well, I was, I was kind of brainstorming last night. How could I, you know, play a trick on my wife or something like that? But I was thinking about it. I don't like getting tricks played on me, so I'm not sure if I'm going to be the one to play them on somebody yeah, else this year. Yeah, and I'm thinking, and professionally, I'm like, hey, Camilla, should we make a fake forecast? Or, hey, Mount Hood's erupting or something like that would be kind of ridiculous, and I get in trouble. So, no, I think we'll have a normal forecast tomorrow, at least on my shift. Really quick, uh, funny that you bring that up. At my last news station in Texas, I made a fake forecast on April Fool's, and I got – well, I didn't get reprimanded, but I got slapped <laughs> on the wrist by my news director. Oh. Um, I didn't have a great gauge on the situation. Thought it would be fun, but right now is storm season in Texas, so it's not the best idea to throw out a you know a random seven-day forecast. So anyways, um, that's a fun memory for – trouble. Maybe a story for another time. Mm-hmm. So – uh, let's go through some of the local headlines. Uh, last day of March, uh, as we record this right now, uh, it's still possible that maybe an isolated shower moves over PDX before the end of the day. Um, but let's go over some of the preliminary rainfall totals for the month. Uh, Portland looks like it's going to finish up just below three inches of rain. Portland International Airport at uh, 2.96 inches. Typical for March is closer to four inches, just under four inches. So I guess we're ending March uh, slightly below normal, but we're still looking at a surplus since October 1st, the start of the water year, uh, just over three quarters of an inch of rain. So we're doing all right up here in Northwest Oregon. That's kind of reflected in our latest drought monitor, which we'll touch on in a little while. Uh, but Mark, as you said, we're starting to get more days with sunshine, more highs in the 50s and 60s, mm-hmm. not not many frosty mornings as of late. Um, I know you, you, you created a nice little frost graphic kind of highlighting when the last days are around in, at PDX versus Hillsborough. Maybe you can touch on that. Yeah, typically in March uh, in in the city, and that'll be your last frost. And as we know, you know anybody that's a, a weather geek listening to this probably knows. Okay, it's almost never on the average date. It's going to be before or after, but uh, typically like mid to late March in the city, and typically in April in the colder outlying areas. And and this year so far, it's March 10th was the last frost. Could we have another? I'm thinking, Jeff, when I'm looking at the maps ahead. I think it's pretty unlikely. I don't think we're going to see a 32. It'd have to be after a cool trough passing through next Tuesday. I mean, there's always a chance, but I wouldn't be surprised if it'll end up being March 10th at PDX. And I think uh, last week was Hillsborough had a uh, March 24th had a frost. And I could see another frost at Hillsborough, like maybe yes. behind that cool system Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, maybe something like that. Maybe, you think? Yeah, well, this morning I saw even Corvallis was down to 34. They may have dropped briefly to freezing, which, by the way, if it's 34 six feet above the ground, then there's possibly some frost right at the surface. So I think you're right, Mark. I think it's possible that some of the outlying locations outside of our city um, could see frost. And and we bring that up because I know a lot of people are tempted to get the gardens going. Yeah, uh, They have yeah. potted plants and things like that. Um, so if you live maybe away from the I-5 corridor, maybe wait another couple weeks or so to put those sensitive potted plants outdoors. What do we you call think? those the tender veggies. Your tender cover your tender veggies you know the news people <laughs> say that in april right like shouldn't put out the tender veggies yet that means like you know the warm stuff beans uh, beans and and uh, squash and that stuff you know march was warmer than average though so far well so far we've got a few hours left but yeah warmer than average who would have thought in a la nina end of a la nina winter early la nina spring 
uh, a warmer than average March and a little bit drier than average. Uh, I think we were hoping for cooler and wetter, right? More right. on that coming up. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we did manage to squeak out that 70-degree reading on Sunday. That was kind of a, a little overachievement, if you will. I think we had highs in the upper 60s. That I, I think I posted a 68 for that day and um, in the forecast, and we hit 70. Um, but, yeah, yeah, what you mean good. is – Three it degrees is. among friends. I mean, two, uh, I mean, two degrees. Wait, you were only two degrees off. That's fine, Jeff. Don't be so hard on yourself. Well, within three is good, but you never. You, you always want to kind of nail it. It's hard though. You, yeah. It is very difficult during this time of year. You don't know exactly how much cloud cover is going to be out there, and that really plays into it. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Uh. And by the way, last. If you're wondering when we hit our first seventy-plus degree reading last year, it was March thirty-first, twenty twenty-one. So, uh, pretty close to this year, I would say. Pretty darn um, normal, don't you think? I mean, March a little warmer, a little drier, but not like there's nothing crazy this this month. There was nothing extreme, as I recall, unless I'm totally missing something and I've forgotten. But nothing. We didn't have a tornado, right? No tornadoes. <laughs> no. No. I did see that there was a. I think there was a funnel cloud in somewhere in northeast Oregon this past week. I think it was in the valley, maybe. At least I saw on somebody. I saw on a shh, competitor's page. Um, uh, that per somebody had posted a picture of a funnel cloud. I thought it was down in the Almsville Staten area. That you you know what you're right. I think you that's think where it was. We're talking about yes. the same thing, right? Yeah. I just looks so, like a yeah. classic little funnel. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it, by the way, extreme. Yeah. You, you want to talk extremes, and this is mm -hmm. not necessarily extreme, but space weather. We did have a little sighting in parts of the Pacific Northwest of the Northern Lights overnight, so that's kind of cool. That's right, a little bit. I, I didn't, when I went on the air at 10, after spending an hour and a half on that darn Aurora graphic, that graphic. two of those, wow. but it was time, it was time was to impressive. make two new ones, yeah. Um, I'm glad you could appreciate it. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think somebody said that they could just barely see it from the Hood River area at one point. And we should point out when, when we show those pictures on the air, like you showed one this morning. Where was that mm -hmm. from, by the way? I only briefly saw it before I came running into the studio here. Uh, it was in Goldendale, Washington. Oh, Goldendale. Um, and so when we show those pictures, uh, typically those are exposures that are 10, 15, 30 seconds. And so usually the naked eye, I always like to say naked eye, it sounds kind of risque, um, but to the naked eye, typically um, you're not going to see that much color. I mean, unless you're up in Alaska. Uh, and right. I had two photographers point that out. I think it was on social media yesterday. They said, hey, remember this picture from Crown Point? All you could see was a touch of color. And yet you see the picture and you go, oh my gosh, the sky was lit up. But that was a right. time exposure, time exposure. <laughs> I'm glad you pointed that out. I mean, still, yeah. kind of cool. Pretty I, neat. I think there was one other instance uh, earlier in the winter when we had a chance for it, and it never really showed. I think it showed up in, like, northern Washington. Yeah, and, and it was brief, BC. like five minutes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was nothing impressive. So I, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, it is. Still, still something on my bucket list that I'd like to see. I still haven't been able to see it personally, but uh, that's a story for another day. All right, so uh, – Let's go through some national headlines before we get into Big kind weather. of the latest. Yeah, yep. we there there have been multiple days, of, actually two multi-day severe weather outbreaks in the past couple of weeks in the central and eastern U.S., specifically the plains and the deep south. So last Monday, I thought this stat was pretty interesting. Last Monday, there was a big severe weather outbreak in Texas. They had. The National Weather Service offices out there, I think there mm -hmm. were three or four separate offices that issued 56 tornado warnings in a 24-hour period. And if you're wondering, is that the most that they've ever they've ever issued in a 24-hour period? The only other day that they issued more tornado warnings in one one day was in um, was back when Hurricane Harvey was making landfall. And 
if you don't know how the tropics work, when slow-moving hurricanes are making landfall, they can just they can just throw you know spinning small little thunderstorms on shore, mm-hmm. and you know ongoing tornado warnings. Uh, I was actually out in Texas uh, covering that uh, in 2017. So. Uh, this was a big severe weather outbreak on last Monday, and then Tuesday it, it shifted into the deep south, and New Orleans uh, metro area got rocked by an EF3 tornado. So right east That's of right. downtown, um, they, they suffered pretty big damage. And then, you know, just basically a week later, Tuesday and Wednesday of this week, uh, parts of the plains and then the deep south once again dealt with uh, severe weather with tornadoes, straight-line winds. So it, storm season is definitely underway in the central and eastern U.S., and if you have family and friends out there, I'm sure you're aware of that or if you've ever lived out there. Um, but I wanted to circle back to the latest drought monitor. That was just issued today. We're going to talk mm-hmm. about the drought monitor, then we'll touch on the snowpack, and then we're going to touch on kind of how the re- reservoirs are looking in the Willamette Basin. So uh, over the past couple of weeks, Mark, not many changes to the drought monitor. Still about 88% of the state of Oregon is experiencing some level of drought, but the northwest corner – not in drought. Western Washington, not in drought. But uh, about 50% of the state of Oregon is in the worst level of drought. That's D3, D4, extreme to exceptional drought. And that mainly encompasses central Oregon. Um, And we're entering some of the warmer and drier months. So it's a little bit uh, alarming that we have that playing out uh, this early in the season, maybe you could touch on. Yeah, we've really just, we've really more or less run out of time. I mean, for central and most of Eastern Oregon, yes, we can get decent mountain snow in April or May for that matter, but um, usually it's short term, short periods of that. Uh, and the irrigation season begins here uh, in early April because uh, it start as the soil starts to warm, farmers start planting things or, you know, grass starts to grow. And if it's been mainly dry all winter, they, they start irrigating. So then uh, if you've got lots of reservoirs that are low, after two years of severe drought already, and then now we're going to go into a third year, uh, it would just take, it would take something miraculous. And I do remember, I think it was May of 93. We had a pattern. I don't remember what kind of a year that was, but I just remember April and May of 93 was extremely wet. And I remember talking to a wheat farmer that dryland wheat farms where they don't use irrigation in North Central Oregon. He told me about that year, they called it uh, the, the May gold. I mean, the rain was like gold for them. Just suddenly their wheat took off and, um, got rid of any drought issues, and they had like, like their best yields they had had in decades. So, huh. I mean, there's always a chance something bizarre happens. That said, I don't think it has really happened since that time. So um, most likely we are stuck in severe drought without any substantial change across central and eastern Oregon for this entire warm season. So that's really bad stuff. Yeah, it is. And uh, when you look at the Oregon Mountain Snowpack map, um, which it's is terrible. provided it's provided to us by the USDA, it is really bad. Um, you know, the only region in the state that is near normal is the hood sandy lower to shoots region and if you were to just look specifically at that you know the mount hood area the mount hood test site just below timberline is below normal i mean at last check i think i saw it was around 80 percent of normal um, and i can double check that but it is actually I, funny you mentioned that site because i have a stat on that just today jeff you don't even know about this we, we didn't coordinate ahead of time um <laughs> on mount hood on april 1st it is the second lowest snowpack, uh, and this is at that test site. You were talking about the one at the bottom of the Poochie chair, right? Yes. By Timberline. Uh, yep. A snowpack at that uh, snow, snow water equivalent, amount of water in the snowpack on April 1st. I'm, gonna, I'm assuming nothing changes between now and tomorrow. It's the second lowest for a La Nina year on record. 
Wow. So it's highly unusual for La Nina year. The other one was, uh, and this is since 1980, I should point out. So that's, I know, it's only 40 years uh, because uh, the Snowtel site was established about that time. But to have the second lowest in a La Nina year, uh, I'm sorry, it's not the second lowest. It's the second lowest La Nina year. I think there were two others that were lower than this one, but they weren't La Ninas. Um, the only other one was kind of a stinker winter we had in 2000, 2001, where it, winter just kind of limped along. Um, and we'll cover winter in more detail. But at that site... It was the highest in 35 years on January 1st. Oh my So that gosh. tells you how much things changed in three months. Well, and I'm looking specifically, and it, the, we talk about snow water equivalent percentage. If you mm -hmm. don't know what that is, it's basically you take the snow and you melt it down to liquid water. And if you were to have a cup in your hand, if it was filled to the top, that would be considered 100% of normal or yes. normal for this time of year. But, you know, the Mount Hood test site is reporting 77% of normal. So imagine your, your cup of water is filled three-quarters of the way up. That's kind of the state of the snowpack up on Mount Hood right now. Yeah, so it's oh, it's it's hanging on on Mount Hood. Uh, Ski Bowl is going to do, and this isn't really related to the snowpack, but Ski Bowl uh, has this weekend and then next weekend, and then that ski area shuts down for the season. That's not unusual for them. Uh, interest trails off typically at all ski areas once you get into April. Well, in – I, I think we'll touch on this in a little while, but boy, uh, Sunday into Tuesday, the ski resorts may pick up like one to two feet of snow. I mean, there's a pretty juicy system coming in. I haven't looked at the latest models this afternoon, but this morning was looking pretty promising. But we'll touch more about on that in a little while. Um, so that's kind of the. But by, by the way, let's let's circle back really quick, Mark, to the mm -hmm. the mountain snowpack. Um, we're just we just spoke specifically about the Mount Hood and Lower Deschutes Sandy region. Over half the state of Oregon has below half of the low, uh, the normal snowpack. We're talking from really uh, bad, yeah, from like the Klamath Basin, Rogue, Umpqua, all the way out into southeast. It is, it is really bad. Um, and if if you get a chance, if you're listening to our podcast, uh, you can just Google Oregon Mountain Snowpack, and you can also see it. We we show it on Fox 12 Oregon quite a bit. Updated mm. uh, snow snowpack uh, numbers, but. It's it's pretty alarming to see, and um, it kind of just tells you where we're at in the state of the drought. Um, so that's kind of the latest regarding the drought and the mountain snowpack. Wanted to touch on the fact that earlier this month, so early March, uh, mm -hmm. Governor Brown issued a state of emergency in Klamath County. So they um, they were declaring drought conditions very early in the season, and um, I believe Jefferson, Crook, Deschutes counties also declared drought. They're waiting on approval uh, for resources from the governor. Uh, but from what I read uh, earlier, uh, I think it was this was last week, Mark, uh, Deschutes County declared drought for the third straight year, and that has never happened before. Yeah, typically it's more there's a drought year, maybe two, but then we get a wet year and then maybe three wet years, and there's another drought year, you know, this up and down thing. But to have three consecutive has not occurred, at least in written history, uh, in the Deschutes County area. So right. that's a big deal. Uh, we're, we're, so the issues are um, irrigation water. For, um, for farmers, um, irrigation water for, um, or uh, city water, I should say, you know, for, for homes and towns. Although, as I recall, agriculture just across the USA uses a lot more water than, than you know, homes. Um, but, um, yeah, that's the two big issues. And, of course, the side issue is reservoirs are very low for recreation. And sometimes boat ramps shut down because, or they don't shut down. You can't get to the water. You know, the water's below the boat ramp. So that's a third issue there. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. Fourth issue, groundwater. Hello. Um, wells can go dry. That started happening west of the Cascades in a That's few spots right. late last summer, remember? And I had I that happened to you. 
No, mine didn't go dry, but I got worried at the end of the summer because the oh. uh, the folks that had drilled my well, he goes, yeah, be real careful. He goes, uh, all the way until we, you know, November would let the water recharge a bit because he said I was pumping a lot of water for not really to keep the grass very wet, but just uh, green, but just I was just, you know, a lot of drip irrigation and using water to keep my fruit trees going. But um, yeah, east side of the state, imagine those uh, wells. Yeah, that's a lot of water being pumped for three it consecutive is. years. No doubt. Um, and before we get into, uh, you know, what, we, what we've what we all been waiting for, the winter recap of 2021-2022, uh, let's just touch on this forecast, Mark, because there's a pretty significant change coming, it looks like, um, between the end of the weekend and early next week. I don't know if you've had uh, some yeah, time. Yeah, I've looked at it. How, how about you uh, comment on it and I'll, uh, I'll Yeah, we're pretty up. good. Nothing dramatic happens really through Sunday. It appears probably through the weekend. I, it looks like a Saturday, a few showers up in western Washington. We, there's a chance we get a shower Saturday. I think it'll be kind of like what we're seeing right now on Saturday. Um, Sunday, there's an approaching weather system. Very strong Pacific jet punches right into us like midwinter type stuff on Monday, but only for a day or so. And then that lifts north and we get a big ridge later next week. But then that only sticks around for a day or two later next week. And then we're back to troughing maybe the, the, the first, second weekend of April. That'd be like the 9th and 10th. So on um, Sunday night, Monday, we don't see a deep low near the coast. So it'll be windy Monday, but we don't see like high winds, probably, you know, gusts 30 to 40, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but a, a significant amount of rain. A lot of it looks to be orographic since it's coming straight from the west. Right. So you see that jet stream there. And that tells me, like you said, I just checked the uh, the European model for government camp uh-huh. would give us about a foot and a half or so of snow, uh, probably at that elevation, and uh, maybe up to two feet higher up. So that'll that'll help recharge the snowpack a little bit, and uh, we'll see. We are we did just do the seven day, Jeff. We did bump up next Wednesday and Thursday. We're going to go seventy and seventy five. I almost did it this morning, Mark, but I wanted to give it like one or two more model runs. I saw those eight fifties. By the way, 850 millibar temperatures helps guide us to sure. what the surface will be like. And uh, yeah, I was I was tempted to hit uh, it to 70. I knew you guys would do it if the if the models were showing the same thing. And, and I was just talking with Camilla. We were going over the chart. And uh, technically, if the European was right, but it's it, its ensembles are cooler than the actual operational model. The plus 13 or 14 would get us to about 80 in early April. But we decided to go 75 because the operationals weren't. I'm, I'm sorry, the ensembles weren't as warm. The Canadian wasn't quite as warm. So we're like, okay, let's just go mid 70s. It's not like crazy to go from mid-70s in early April. So either way, we think we've got a two-day warm spell. So if you're going to get sick at work, folks, next Wednesday <laughs> and Thursday. Wednesday and Thursday, getting sick. Wednesday and Thursday. We're pretty approved, confident on that. Approved by the chief meteorologist himself. Yes. Um, so, yeah, just be prepared for a little spring roller coaster ride with the yeah. With That's the weather, a good way to explain it, yeah. And and if you let's say because we have friends that at our station that have you know that like to spend time in Sisters, for instance, or Bend, uh, or you know you know plan to travel back and forth through the Cascades uh, by the end of the weekend, early next week, just be prepared for the potential for some whiteout conditions over the passes because it's going to be windy up there. Uh, this yep. is going to be a pretty prolific snowmaker in the higher elevations, and it's going to favor the Cascades. Uh, versus, unfortunately, uh, Central and Eastern Oregon, which really could use a little bit more snow and rain True. this year. So, um, all right, uh, Mark, let's talk about winter 2021-22. We will speak about it today, and we will speak about it no more beyond today. So, Because right. um, it won't be winter anymore. So, um, first, I got a little quiz for you, Jeff. Let's make oh, it a little boy. more interactive here. So, uh, and I purposely, folks, I've told Jeff not to, like, look at too many details of this past winter. Because as forecasters, we just get into each weather pattern, and then we forget what happened a week ago. Like, wait, when did that happen? And, you know, you forget numbers. 
So um, I don't have an A, B, or C answer here. You just need to come up with the answer, Jeff. Um, how many, quote, snow events did we get in Portland this winter? Oh. Now, is a snow event over a trace? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anything more than measurable snow events. And I should say, let's say it starts at 9 p.m. at night, goes till 3 a.m. the next morning. Technically, there may be some snow on each okay. of those days. But, uh, you know, that would count as one event. So it's how many either... snow events? And the records are at, by the way, the official records, folks, are at the Weather Service office in Park Rose, uh, Sandy and 122nd, kind of out in that area. Okay, so it's either five or six. I'm going to go with five. Nice, nice. Yes, five. The bulk yep. of them happened in December. So four in yeah. December, and I know we had one quick one in February. We had one on December 18th, 19th, and that was where we had a heavy rain system. Uh, it turned to heavy, sloppy snowflakes on a Saturday night, Saturday night and then went back to light rain. Uh, then on the 26th, the day after Christmas, that was when we were under winter storm warning. Remember, that only really worked out in a few spots. <laughs> Most areas did not get winter storm warning quality snow. Um, and then the 27th, that was the Monday night. It started snowing. That was our best snow. Monday night into Tuesday morning, we had two and a half inches officially. Mm -hmm. That did favor Clark County, Central and East Metro, not as much west side. Um, and then the 30th, that was another little uh, slider that came down the coastline, gave us some light snow. That was a half inch, as I recall. And then on February 4th, I don't remember what happened on Feb. That's not right. Did it snow on February 4th? Oh, wait, it's no, my next graphic no, no, right no. here. I've got it right in front of me, Jeff. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, Later in the month, February right? 24th. There we go. Yes. There was a four in there. I'm, like, I'm thinking it didn't snow in February. <laughs> that was that half inch with that cool spell we had. Right. Uh, so we, okay. in the end, we had 4.4 inches of uh, snow. So that's one question. Okay, you did well. Um, what was the peak gust at – wait, no, no, no. I'm going to back up. Back up. Oh, jeez. I got to I got to do it right. It's all up folks. This is TV, in this case it's podcasting. It's all about the build up. It's all about the tease. All right. So, what fascinating meteorological event happened in the Pacific Northwest in the last week of October? Oh, Jeff? no. Oh, yes, it did happen. Oh, yes. Hmm. Okay, here's a hint. Okay. It didn't actually happen on land. Water spout. We need that buzzer back. I'm gonna buzz oh Ryan no! It wasn't a water spout. Was it? Nope. Was it? Was it? Was it that? Was it a weak tsunami? Farther offshore. No meteorological. Oh jeez! Let me give me give me one more guess. Wait, are Three. you on your? You're not googling and you're not looking at old no, blog posts, No, right? no, no. You would okay. hear me typing now. Don't be cheating. Um, you said it happened offshore. Why am I blaming? Way offshore. It? Way offshore. Okay. Wait, I'm was it on land or was it over water? Oh, you know what? We're just going for it. It was a bomb cyclone. Oh, Remember, that's, okay. okay. Yes, strongest surface low pressure center recorded in that part of the Northeast Pacific, right around, we live at uh, 122 West longitude. It was at 130 West. It was right on the edge of the, quote, danger zone. Oh, I yes. I know you're I thinking of Tom yes. Cruise, you older folks like me. You're thinking of, like, Top Gun. No, 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 no. Um, this was a 942 millibar low on October 24th. It was a day after our big OMSI winter weather meeting that our local AMS chapter does. And we'd right. had a bomb cyclone just slightly farther offshore, I think 950 millibars just two days or three days prior. So we had two of these, and it was just a big deal because we'd never seen such a deep low so close to the coastline. I mean, 942 millibars. Um, the Columbus Day Storm and some of the other big ones that get much closer to the coast, those are like 955 to 970, let's say, millibars. So this was really deep. This would have come up against the coastline. All hell would have broken loose. Yes. I think we can say hell on the podcast, right? This is a looser. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, so, okay, well, you got the first one right, the snow one, but uh, no, you forgot the bomb cycle. But trick, see what I mean? That was a trick question, sir. See how we forget those events? I know. I mean, and I remember that happened in late October, and I'm thinking, oh, I hope it's not going to be like this all winter. It's going to be a rough winter. <laughs> and then it got all quiet. Okay, yeah. and then third one, uh, what was the peak gust of PDX throughout the entire storm season? This is tough because it was not very windy. Um, 42 miles per hour? Yes. What's what's three miles per hour among friends? Yes, December 11th, 45 miles per hour. Extra credit on um, what direction? You can get it within a quarter. What's it called? The qua What quadrant did it come from? Oh, geez. <laughs> south? <laughs> was it an east wind? No, you're right. It was southwest. South-southwest. Okay. I think it was 220, okay. which is south-southwest. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, well, you did okay. Two out of three, you were fine. All right. Um, so, there you go. So, yeah. So, Jeff does remember some about this winter. I only know, folks, because I do this long presentation. You can find it online. I just did a blog post about it on – it's Thursday. So we just did, just did that blog post Wednesday evening, and there's a link to it. You can read all about this past winter, which is kind of fun. So I'd say the biggie was, for this winter wrapping it up, we had near-normal temps and precipitation in the end. But as uh, Carl Bonner, who's one of our AMS members, he – and I mentioned this in the blog. I remember at the weather meeting he said – when I said, okay, give me a phrase that makes you, what do you think about this past winter? Just a phrase. He goes, abnormally normal. It's like, ooh, that was deep. Yes, it was normal in the end, but it was kind of abnormal. In that, yeah, we had near normal temps and precip, but it was very mild all through November and into early December. I remember December 8th, we were thinking uh, bare ski areas. Where is the snow? They're getting concerned. Why are we seeing later snow starts up in the mountains? We'd had several snow events in the mountains, and then it would melt away each time. So we had some warmish storms, not big storms, but warmish storms all through late October and November. But we couldn't get it to stay at the ski resorts. It kept warming up and melting. So then, bang, from about the 9th or 10th of December all the way in through the first week of January, we had all this action. It got really busy. Uh, not only just what actually happened, but we kept seeing on weather maps, like, oh, there could be a big freeze. The models are going crazy. Um, so we had about, about three weeks, three to four weeks of some real action there from mid-December until the first week of January. But the abnormal part is then, like, nothing happened for seven weeks. Remember that, Jeff? Yeah. I mean, that was like, uh, yeah, from about the 8th of January through the third week of February. I, I would consider myself a weather nerd. Would you consider yourself a of weather nerd, Mark? R ridiculous question. Why are we doing this? Well. This uh, podcast. I would say that I wouldn't describe this winter as abnormally normal. I would describe it as the big tease. Yes. Because we started with snow in December. Tends to sometimes hold off until January, February. I was I had high hopes. Something big was coming early in the in the year, but – yeah, that's, that's how I would describe it. Yeah. So we had, you know, the exciting, we had the snow several times. And, you know, I would say for regular people, the, that week between Christmas and New, uh, New Year's was kind of magical because it was cold and we had episodes of snow. It was half frozen during the time, yet not a True. huge Arctic blast. And so mm -hmm. it felt like Christmas season should feel. You know, there was some snow around with the lights and stuff. And I, I like that. I like it when it does that. So that was that one. It was really only that week, uh, week and a half in which it felt, you know, really cold around here, right? That's yeah. fair to say. Yeah. And then, yeah. It was just, I don't know. For the weather <laughs> nerds, the weather lovers, it was a little bit of a letdown. But uh, at the same time, it wasn't super impactful either. And I think, um, you know, from a weather perspective, that, that was important. You're still just mad. You're still just really irritated about that GFS always teasing you with snow. You know, if you'd stop looking at that, you know, that would cure that issue. Okay, Euro <laughs> lover over here. Yeah. Love that Euro. 
you know what? And then we got to late February, not to jump ahead, but we got to late February. And what model within just a week ahead of time said, oh, my gosh, we're going to have a little freeze next week. Euro, GFS and Jim were playing catch up. Okay, okay, Mark. And you're like, well, okay, whatever, Mark. <laughs> so, yeah, so in between there, we did have, um, as the cold air left in that first week of January, huge snowstorm in the gorge. I actually, believe it or not, I'd forgotten about this, that the two feet of snow in one night just like semi-stuck in the middle of the gorge. That's pretty rare even in a snowy place like that. Um, yeah, just 18 inches to two feet in one mm. night, just, you know, 12, 15 hours, just a massive dump of snow. That was, uh, I think, the 3rd of January right in there. Then we went into a brief flood. I think that's when the Chehalis River was flooding up in, in Skookumchuck mm. River up in Washington, I think. Some right. mudslides up there. And then everything just shut down. It was, I mean, there was nothing significant that occurred between there and uh, late February. This is interesting. I've got a few facts for you here. Oh, and by the way, once we hit late February, then we had that one cool week. I mean, it wasn't anything crazy. It was just uh, some cold nights, some some well below freezing nights. I, I think Portland, that's when we hit our low of 24 a second time for the winter. So we hit 24 twice. It was, I think, January 1st and then again late February. But we didn't get below 24. In fact, Portland and Salem have now gone five winters without getting below 20 degrees. That has not happened in either station's history. And uh, Salem station history goes back to the late 1800s. That's very interesting, actually. That maybe. said, I'd say okay. for Portland, maybe you were going to say the same thing. For Portland, that's maybe not as stupendously amazing because um, the, not climate change, but just the um, urban heat island. I mean, how many people live right. here compared to 50, 80 years ago? A lot more. So we know cities heat up, especially on cold, clear nights. So Portland just doesn't have as many cold nights anyway. Salem, though, well, that's out at the airport, which is pretty far away from any significant population. So that's a pretty big deal for Salem. No 20 degree, I'm sorry, no 19 degree temps are colder in five winters. Yeah, that's that's kind of eye-opening. And here's another little fact. I got a lot of these, Jeff. Um, PDX has gone five winters without seeing a day where it stayed in the 20s, right? That did happen one other time in the 1940s, but it's pretty rare to go this many winters and not see a really cold day where it doesn't even get above 30. Mm. That hasn't happened since, I think, that yeah, that winter of 2016-17. Interesting. Um, so snow, I think I mentioned 4.4 inches. That was the big snow total for the winter. And snowfall, it's interesting. When you look at a long-term snowfall trend, I've talked about this through my whole career, it used to snow a lot here in the late 1800s. Part of that was we were coming out of the Little Ice Age. It's just It was a colder climate back then. Part of it is human-caused climate change as well as we get well into the uh, 20th century. Um, but it was interesting, the snowfall, you see it drop off decade after decade from the 1800s through the 1980s. But in the last three decades, it's leveled off around four to five inches in Portland. We're not getting like significantly less snow than we did when I started my career. It's about the same. We had, in fact, we've had seven years with some sort of measurable snow here in Portland, seven consecutive years, and that, that's unusual. So we're still getting some snow, and we're not getting – it's like the last 30 years has not changed much. Basically, some winters we don't get any. Other winters we get a decent amount. Some years we get like this, which is just a few inches. But I will say one other thing related to the cold and the snow. We have, had, we have not had a regional Arctic blast where everybody gets frozen, and you know the cold air mass comes down out of British Columbia, just slams us. We haven't had that since December of 2013. Yes, we've had cold air masses come in shallow cold air through the gorge, maybe make it all the way down to Salem, maybe to Eugene. We've had that a bunch of times, but we haven't had just this cold blast come down since December of 2013. One way we measure that is the temperature up at about four or 5,000 feet, 850 millibars, and um, 
we haven't had a minus 11 Celsius or colder since 2013. And that's taken from the Salem soundings, the weather exactly. Launches, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's over Salem. And actually over Portland, at 850 millibars, it wouldn't matter. Over Portland, it hasn't gotten any colder either, most likely. Because when we get those shallow cold air masses where, you know, highs in the 20s in Portland, it can still be pretty mild up at 850. That's how we get our ice storms, of course. So, gotcha. so it's time for us to have a, a region-wide Arctic freeze. We were close. Remember, in December, we were thinking that might happen, you know, five, eight days ahead of time. It was looking like that could happen, but it, it stopped at Seattle. I mean, it's, well, I should say we were at the edge of it a couple times, but the really cold stuff just never pushed all the way south because of the way the upper level winds were. It just it didn't, didn't plunge the cold air all the way south to California. I noticed that uh, I was looking at some of the stats since the 40s, when, since record keeping started at PDX, I think um, it's typical for PDX to pick up six inches of snow during a winter time. Um, but since over the past 30 years, I think the average is around like four inches or so. It is four to five inches. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're saying that it's kind of evened out a little bit over the yes, past. Yes. I'm sorry. Days. Yes. It's, it's evened out for, since starting in the 1990s. It just bottomed out at four. I, Cause I remember when I started, Jeff, I'm like, Oh my gosh, what's going to happen in the next 20 years? Are we going to go to zero? But yeah. it didn't, it leveled out. So well, just, I mean, it could be many different reasons for that. Could just be we just get more fluctuation in the jet stream and we get more cold air masses occasionally, but more of the time it's warm in the winter. But every once in a while we're going to get a cold, you know, who knows? It's so right. always so marginal here temperature-wise. Well, we appreciate you kind of bringing the stats. Uh, it's, you yeah. know, of course, it's impossible to know exactly why things are happening. Um, we have some theories, but, you know, uh, just uh, kind of a, an, it was a, what was the term? Abnormally normal winter. Or yeah. maybe a big letdown for the weather nerds. It was a letdown for the weather nerds. And I should point out, here's a biggie. Just because it's a La Nina winter, that mm -hmm. does not mean we're going to have a cold and wet and snowy winter in the lowlands. We've seen two years in a row now where that didn't really happen. It's Last year point. was the warmest La Nina on record in Portland. It's a good point, Mark. Um, you, you just brought up the gorge. And uh, we're... we're Coming to the close here on episode 33. Oh, yeah. You sent out a nice little memo last Just night. Just a scathing, scathing memo. To you know, the, to the weather a, team. Yeah. Yeah. This is kind of <laughs> funny because I was thinking that's when you brought that up because uh, Nora Hart, who used to briefly did weather uh, a few years ago, now she's our anchor. She is still on. We have the Fox 12. You know, if you're at work, maybe you have like a group email. We have the Fox 12 weather email. And Nora is still on that. So Nora will make fun of me anytime I send out, a, a, like, hey, folks, pay attention to this, or hey, let's do something this way, you know, office-type stuff. And um, so Nora will laugh at me a little bit. She'll be like, oh, I see you're really, you're really cracking down, cracking the whip or cracking down. Um, and so yesterday I sent out this memo, folks, because, one, I, I'd seen a, a consultant had mentioned, and I, and I thought of this in the past, too, to try to avoid abbreviations in our weather graphics. Because if you think about it, uh, you know, AM, PM, everybody knows that. But if you were to put like isolated, but put ISLD, somebody has to sit there and it takes an extra second in those few seconds that they're looking at the weather graphic on TV to say, what is isolated? Oh, okay, it's isolated. So they're saying, don't do that if you don't need to. So in the memo yesterday, I said, let's try to avoid using abbreviations. And one of them was, for example, scattered. Well, then I felt badly because the rest of the day, Camilla and I keep running into graphics where Jeff Forgeron had put SCT what is it, apostrophe D? And I'm like, oh, no, he's going to think I was just ripping him a new one. But I was not, Jeff, I should point out. Um, I just thought in general we should um, avoid the abbreviations. And then I think I had another diatribe about the gorge. What did I say about the gorge, Jeff? West end versus west side, east end versus east side. 
Yeah, and Camilla and I kind of argued about that one too. She goes, well, why can't you say west side and east side? And I said, well, because it's long and thin and it's one end or the other, or the sides are the north side and the south side, which otherwise we would never talk about that really because there's no difference. But, um, and I just know for people that live there, typically when we, when we talk about a region, we want to use like local terms. And I just know people that live in the gorge say, oh, I live in the western gorge, eastern gorge, or the middle of the gorge, central. You know what's scary, Mark, is uh, <laughs> I, I, I know you have your, you know. Uh, Idiosyncrasies? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 what's scary about that is I'm starting to realize I do too. And, you know. I'll, no. I will pull up a graphic and, and I'll, you know, it's two in the morning, well before Good Day Oregon starts. Uh -oh. and I'll think to myself. No, I'm in trouble. Who, who touched this graphic? What did, and I and I think to myself, what are you doing, Jeff? Why are you acting this way? But what's funny is, it's 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 our our graphic system. If you were to ever look at a specific graphic, say the seven day forecast, for instance, mm -hmm. if somebody goes in there and adjusts it and you know exits it, saves it, there's always evidence of who that person <laughs> was. You can always see yes. who the last person was that who edited did the graphic. Yeah, exactly. So there's no mystery. Um, so. No, I think those are good points, Mark. And um, the gorge is such a unique location to forecast for. With all, you know, there are multiple microclimates in the gorge alone. And you grew up, you know, I think you you spent most of your childhood near or around the gorge. Is that correct? Uh, part of it, yeah. Or at least you so, know, going to relatives, their grandparents lived there, and Rick uncles too. So, like, you know, while, you know, we, we laugh at some of the things that you, you point out, at the same time, you, you know the gorge better than anybody else. So we've got we've to take that information for what it's worth. And, yeah, um, I didn't, as they say, I didn't, the old folks, didn't they say something like, I didn't just fall off the turnip truck yesterday. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what that means, but I didn't fall off the turnip truck yesterday. I've been through this rodeo before. There you go. Yeah, so, no. Something it, like it's, that. It's all good, Mark. And, uh, yeah, I... We, we brought you a lot of information today, everybody, but it's been a couple of weeks since we've been able to jump on this podcast, and uh, you know we hope to be doing this every other week and bring you the latest regarding you know local, national headlines, the current state of the drought. We hope that this weather system coming in late Sunday into Tuesday is a little juicier than maybe the models are forecasting, but uh, just be prepared for some ups and downs in the next week or so. That's typical for spring. Um, anything else you want to add, Mark, before we sign off? Nope, that's it. It'll probably be three weeks because I'm off later next week and the week after. So Mark's taking, what do you know, taking a vacation. And um, so it'll probably be that third week of, of April. But by then we'll have a good feeling for what's going on with the rain, I think. You know, did we get a wetter April or not? So stay tuned, as we say. Absolutely. All right, well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And uh, we'll be bringing you more weather tidbits soon enough. Have a good one. See you later. Please tell us about the weather.